Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 157th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 581st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, February 6th, 2020. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred on Tuesday when our very own Andy Bottoms, who towers over other bracketologists like Kristaps Porzingis, towers over opponents, released his latest bracket projections over at InsideTheHall.com. Andy has Indiana as a number nine seed, which means that the Hoosiers are, at least as of right now, solidly in the field and not on the bubble. The Hoosiers are one of 10 Big Ten teams in Andy's field, with Purdue among the first four out, although that was before their big victory over Iowa, to be fair. The other bracket projections that we pay the most attention to from Coach Tonsoni and the team at Delphi Bracketology had Indiana as a number eight seed. Mike DeCourcy has Indiana as a number nine seed. And these projections are more or less in line with what the majority of bracketologists are projecting. According to Bracket Matrix, uh, the Bracket Matrix composite bracket, Indiana is the second number 10 seed, and the Hoosiers are in every bracketologist field but one. And while we all have higher hopes for IU hoops than sliding into the NCAA tournament as a low seed, we all also know, or at least should know, that just making the tournament this year would represent significant progress after missing the last three. So it's still very encouraging that the Hoosiers are holding on to a projected tournament slot, despite what has happened since December 28th. On that day, you will recall, Indiana was 11-1 and ranked number 33 in Ken Palm. Since then, starting with the home loss to Arkansas, Indiana is just 4-6, and six, with two home losses and four road losses by nine or more points. And two of the victories have come over Sub-100 Northwestern and Nebraska. During that span, the Hoosiers have fallen to number 41 in Ken Palm. In other words, it's been a struggle, and there has been plenty of bad basketball played with a few spurts of strong play at home. But hyper-focusing on Indiana like most of us do and getting caught up in the game-to-game ebbs and flows can warp our perspective of where this IU team is in the grand scheme of things nationally. And right now, everywhere you look, the Hoosiers are a tournament team. Coming into the season, almost all IU fans I talked to would have considered that a success, and I think we all still do. Now look, Indiana clearly still has work to do to maintain their tournament spot, and it starts Saturday with a very important home game against Purdue. Win that, get win number 16 on the season, get back to 500 of Big Ten play, and we can all exhale just a little bit. And remember that this season, potholes and all, still remains on track. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Ryan is not here tonight. He is already in Bloomington, where he will be uh, today, tomorrow, this weekend. So we look forward to seeing him there when we all get into town. So to my left, he is the Fran McCaffrey of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. And, well, let's just let his new intro music handle the rest of it. His name is Andy, and he's great at coaching his kids now. His kids now, coaching his kids Fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. 
fun, fun, uh, fun. Huge hat tip to Bob Thompson fun, for the great work fun, on fun. that. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana fun, basketball? Fun, fun. That was uh, that was well done, very well done, Bob. As always, <laughs> as always. Uh, you, you know, for me, looking forward to the weekend uh, to to hang out with you guys and what has really become a big game uh, for IU, and and so game takes on additional importance than it already had. Uh, I, I think even with uh, you know with the way they've played lately, and um, that has really pushed it to the forefront. And as you look at bracketology and all the questions about where does IU need to to end up, um, most positive scenarios start with winning home games and, and particularly the most winnable um, home games that they have. And this falls somewhat in that category, given Purdue struggles on the road uh, and, and all those things. So I think it, it does become uh, a really big one. And, and hopefully this has been a week where IU hasn't had any games for the first time in, in a while, and they've been able to regroup, um, get healthy and, and get ready for the, the final nine games of the big 10 season, which become, incredibly important as they look toward the NCAA tournament, get some things worked out on offense and uh, hoping to see a really inspired performance come Saturday, uh, you know, coming out against Purdue, big game rivalry game for both teams and, uh, and one that they both need to, to perform well in from an NCAA tournament standpoint. So that's what I'm most looking forward to about the week is to see uh, if we can see on Saturday, some of the, you know, seeds of the way that they use the actual week, uh, the week off to, uh, to get ready to go. All right. And to my right, he remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach, and it's not so I'm kind of unforgettable once you've seen me. It's the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, what's on your mind? Uh, I like uh, both of you guys are excited about the weekend. It's, it's always good when uh, the assembly call group can get together and we can spend some time with uh, the chat mob and our listeners. So really looking forward to that. Almost packed and uh, ready ready to go. But more, more importantly, just ready to see uh, this Indiana Hoosier basketball team kind of even out its play. The, the up and down nature of the season is, is a frustrating thing for a lot of us. Uh, you play well at, at home and, and a lot of energy, and then you go on the road and not only lose, but it just doesn't uh, look like the type of, of team that, that we, we expect and, and we want. So which, which Indiana team is going to go forward, and can they play a little more consistently game to game, and can they play consistently uh, within the game as well is, is what I'm looking for. And, and we uh, Indiana is still 15-7. and seven. And, you know, right now, safely in, in the tournament, and there's a, a long way to go before they fall out of the tournament. Uh, it can happen, but more, more, more positive. It's another time for us to be in an assembly hall and uh, enjoy the atmosphere and hopefully uh, bring home a, a win. But the other thing to, for our listeners is we're locked in on Indiana. There's a lot of teams that have the same, same issues uh, that, that Indiana has, but playing great at home and really bad on the road. Uh, in the Big Ten and outside of the Big Ten. So as we talk in our second segment about bracketology, Andy and I see that a lot with, with other teams that, that just uh, sometimes don't show up on nights. So we're not alone. It's still not acceptable. But uh, let's focus on beating those boilers. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so coming up this week, we're going to look ahead to that IU-Purdue game, do a little preview of that. Then we're going to dive into some bracketology talk. It's, you know, it's the first week in February. It's time to get serious about that because the bracketology questions are going to start coming fast and furious. Uh, and then we've got a whole bunch of really good mailbag questions from you all. So we're going to dedicate a lot of time to that. 
All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all of that stuff, a quick reminder about tickets. If you are looking for tickets to IU basketball games for the remainder of this season, including Saturday's game to I uh, against uh, Purdue for the Hoosiers at home in Bloomington, and I checked like yesterday or the day before, and there were still some pretty good tickets uh, on SeatGeek. Uh, SeatGeek is the place to look for those tickets. They deliver the best ticket buying experience with their website and app, and they also will help you identify the best ticket values so that you get the best possible seat for your money. And best of all, you get $10 off your first purchase with the promo code ASSEMBLY. So use the URL iutickets.shop. That will take you directly to the IU basketball ticket listing on SeatGeek. That's iutickets.shop. And then use that promo code ASSEMBLY, and you will get $10 off your purchase at SeatGeek. Okay, so real quick before we dive into the IU Purdue talk, uh, just to let you know what the plan is for this weekend. So Ryan uh, is already there. In Bloomington, uh, Coach, you're driving down tomorrow. Andy, you're driving down tomorrow. I'm flying in tomorrow, so we will all be there, have our annual uh, team dinner. Uh, and by the way, those of you who have donated to our show, supported us, part of what we use that money for is uh, paying for that annual team dinner that kind of gets us all in the same room. We spend all this time you know, talking to each other, looking in these Zoom windows, talking into our computers, and it's always such a great time to get everybody together uh, in one room, share a meal. So we appreciate everybody who supports the show and makes that kind of stuff possible. We'll be doing that Friday. We'll probably be out and about Friday night. So if you are in town, let us know because we want to meet as many of you as possible. Then we will be at the game on Saturday. Definitely a great spot uh, to meet you guys there. And then we're doing a live postgame show at Switchyard Brewing Company uh, on Saturday after the game. Probably start 45 minutes to an hour after the game, however long it takes us to get over there and get everything set up. But uh, you know, a lot of people have RSVP'd on Facebook. It looks like there's going to be a lot of folks out there, a lot of people from the chat mob there. So maybe people that you've you know chatted with, messaged with, and you'll be able to meet them in person. So we'll be doing that. But for those of you who are not going to be in Bloomington, who cannot attend the show at Switchyard, we will have a live online postgame show as normal going live right after the game. It will be hosted by Chat Mob Chad. Obviously, we shouldn't do that. Well, we're going to do it, Chad. Uh, he will be hosting. Uh, Noah Freeman from the Hoosier Sound will be there. You know, we'd love the opportunity to give folks who have other, you know, IU podcasts a chance to, you know, talk to our audience. And Noah and his group do a great job covering IU sports with the Hoosier Sound. So he will be there. And then an old friend, Will DeWitt, will be producing just to make sure everything goes smoothly. So you'll probably hear his voice on there as well. Even if you don't, he'll be in the background. So that is the plan. And then, of course, we'll be out and about on Saturday as well. So if you're in Bloomington, let us know. But if not, we still have you covered with a postgame show. And then we're going to do everything we can to get the audio of the live show and be able to post that in the podcast feed and hopefully get some video of it as well. So that's what's going on this weekend. But obviously, the main event this weekend is the game. IU Purdue, a huge game for Indiana. You know, you start looking, Andy, and you know, we know where Indiana sits right now at five and six in the conference. They've got these two home games against Purdue and Iowa, which are obviously very winnable games, but those are two teams that have shown, you know, that they can obviously, you know, I mean, Purdue put up a hundred plus and Iowa's been able to put up points all season long. Those are going to be losable games if Indiana doesn't bring, you know, a, a solid B plus game at home. But then four of the next five are on the road. So, I mean, you start looking at this, it really feels like these are, you absolutely have to get one of them. You probably feel like you need both of them. And Saturday's against Purdue. So, dead gummit, let's get that one. I mean, these yeah, are I important think, games. Yeah, you're you're really just trying to look for a way for things not to to snowball. You know, we talked about the end of the, you know, end of the Maryland game. That loss leading into the two road games was um, 
an issue. Certainly to lose the game was an issue, but just knowing what you've got coming. And to your point, I think these, these two home games take on a similar importance because you know, you've got road trips for the next five, even though maybe the, the Michigan game feels less daunting than it at the beginning of the season based on uh, uh, how they've at times, but, you know, and then you go to, go to Minnesota where IU had one of its worst performances of the season a year ago and has has been more often than not a place that IU has struggled. So, And then you throw in the other two road games in that or at Purdue, uh, certainly a tough place to play. They've boat raced just about everybody that's come in there lately in the Big Ten. And then at Illinois, a team that's playing uh, that IU's had some success against, but a team that's playing really well. So uh, it, it really becomes important. It's easy to say hold serve at home, get to your 10 Big Ten wins and uh, – and feel good about yourself, but that's uh, in some ways easier said than done. So you got to start with a good performance uh, in this one, because then I think there becomes a lot of pressure on that Iowa game. Who's a, a really good, didn't show it last night, but a really strong offensive team has some defensive limitations, which they did show uh, at, against Purdue on Thursday or on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a huge one for IU. Coach, you know, you've had the opportunity to see Purdue play several times at home. I don't think you've seen them play on the road yet. But, you know, having seen them up close, what are the what are going to be the keys for Indiana? Where do you think are some matchups that maybe Purdue has a big advantage and on the flip side that Indiana has an advantage? Well, I, I think that Indiana needs to focus on taking away the three-point shooters. And, and when I was at um, – we're privileged at Delphi Bracketology getting media credentials at Purdue, so I've been able to go to a few of their games. When they lost at home – where they've played really well. They lost at home to Illinois. Illinois just locked up and, and, and chased shooters over screens and over ball screens and stayed with their guards and made made life um, really tough for them to get good open catches uh, and then kind of played one-on-one in the post while Illinois has got a couple huge humans uh, inside. But I think it's the, the key is going to be Joey Brunk and, and TJD and Deron Davis coming off the bench. Can they uh, – keep harms and Travion Williams at bay enough uh, and let the guards go out and, and get the three. Because if you double down uh, and kick out and they get some open looks, I, I think Purdue gets energy from their threes. And uh, it, we the other night they hit 19 of them, I believe, and scoring 104 points. And, and, and once you get, to, you know, two or three or four of those to go down, then it becomes contagious. So uh, I thought the best game plan that I have seen against Purdue at home where they're really good uh, was Brad Underwood in, in Illinois, and they were just really tight on the three. So that's that's uh, where I think uh, Indiana's got an advantage uh, or, or needs to, you know, pay attention to. And then the other thing is Purdue's great defensive team, so you're going to have to find a way to get that ball inside. I think you can go at Trevion Williams with some up-and-under moves. I'm not sure he's the greatest defender. Uh, and what are you going to do to draw Harms out away from the floor uh, because he's a tremendous shot blocker? There's some games within the games that um, – but hopefully the road Purdue team shows up and not the 104 uh, home team. Yeah, that was that was some offensive performance they put on, um, and they you know their play has been better on the road. You know they had a couple of really bad road games to start Big Ten play against Nebraska and Illinois, and they haven't won a ton of them recently. But they've been competitive in them, which is you know kind of the difference between them on the road and Indiana on the road. You know, you think back, coach, to last year's game at home, uh, which you know wasn't it was not pretty basketball. Was it forty eight to forty six? I think it was the final. But, you know, the big key coming into that game was how is Indiana going to defend the three? And that was maybe the best three-point defense they've played in the Archie Miller era. I mean, they were all over the place. That was, 
I think it was almost certainly the best defensive game Al Durham has played in his career at Indiana. And so if you can get that kind of intensity and that kind of just, you know, being locked in on the scouting report and, and doing all those things, I agree with you. I think that would be a really big step for Indiana uh, in this one. Andy, as you as you look at it, what are, what are some of the keys to victory for you? Yeah, if you look at conference-only efficiency numbers, a couple jump out. One... Uh, Purdue first in offensive rebounding rate. IU is actually first in defensive rebounding rate. So that's a, a strength on strength thing there, which is not all that shocking for teams that more than more than most are comfortable playing two bigs. Uh, I, I know you on podcast on the brink talk with uh, with Dustin DePirac about what what kind of matchups they would use. Purdue started Boudreau the last couple of games. He's responded really well. So you'd have to think that um, they'll start out with that. But how much will you see each team play two bigs and then just have the lane? Um, completely clogged up on both ends. And uh, the other area that Purdue's excelled is forcing turnovers. So they're first in the in conference play in defensive turnover rate, which uh, is probably as terrifying to most IU fans as it feels to me, given how IU's taking care of the ball at times uh, over the course of the Big Ten season. And then even just overall uh, on the season, Purdue is top 10 in three-point defense. Uh, IU mo- more often than not does not need help shooting poorly from beyond the three-point lines. So um, those are a few things, at least statistically, that stand out that if if IU is able to reverse some of those trends or keep Purdue uh, or negate some of those strengths that they have, I think that would go a long way toward winning what I would expect will be a pretty ugly game in, in a way similar to last year. Purdue's really, they're 341st in tempo uh, out of 352. So they want to try to slow it down. I think with their personnel this year, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that they don't really feel like they have the firepower to get into an up and down game with people in the way they did last year. But I, I think your point is well taken about how well IU played defensively last year against a much more talented Purdue team offensively. So if they're able to bring the same effort, have the same success. That would certainly bode well at home uh, for IU. Uh, I've, I've heard nothing. The, ahead, the ball screen defense always worries me because Painter runs some nice slip actions. Um, and some double ball screen handoff plays. I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch too. How Indiana decides to guard that with with some players that typically struggle in in ball screen coverage. Yeah, Ohio State really had I for for reasons unbeknownst to me. Despite the fact that I did not watch the second half live because I had to go to one of Mallory's games, I watched it, and there were so many plays that Ohio State got either directly off of having guys slip ball screens or as a result of getting IU in rotation from guys slipping ball screens where they just got wide open threes in the corners based on the guys they had stationed there. So that's a good point to watch for that. One guy who would really help in this matchup would be Race Thompson. Uh, I don't think anything official has been said. I'm not expecting him to play. I have heard, you know, some good things about him possibly being available for the Iowa game, which isn't until next Thursday, you know, so that's one nice thing is Indiana has obviously had, uh, you know, some time off to kind of rest and hopefully improve themselves. Last question, Coach, do you have a gut feeling either way on this one? I think in the Big Ten, you're, you always feel better when you're at home. So I have a gut feeling that the atmosphere is going to be incredible and, and the players obviously play better at Assembly Hall. And we're going to get the Indiana team that played uh, well, came up short against Maryland, played well against Michigan State. And, and I believe that's the kind of effort we're going to get. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Indiana ends up pulling out a victory over Purdue on Saturday. Ryan, your thoughts on Purdue? I think Harms is largely a stiff. Okay, well, at least at least you're consistent on that. Um, hopefully that's how he plays uh, on Saturday. All right, um, 
Let's move on. Coming up here, let's talk bracketology. You know, we are fortunate to have two of the best bracketologists in the business right here on our show, so let's pick their brains about what Indiana needs to do down the stretch to make sure they don't miss the NCAA tournament for a fourth straight season and just what the overall landscape looks like. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob chat mobbers. during our unedited live broadcasts or watch those replays and see all of the between segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash assembly call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with uh, Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and with a special guest who just popped in live from Bloomington. We're not going to tell you who it is yet, podcast listeners. Obviously, people on video know. We'll let the intro music do the talking. So here is the debut of this person's intro music. Here we go. All you other voices get out of the way. Cause Ryan's got a hundred thousand things to say The shot doctor's gonna go off on Coach K Or how the Big Ten refs screw up every day He's a senior writer for the big lead His majesty's words are the elixir we need The only problem is he won't concede The mic to other voices even if they agree Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this Dude just interrupted his own jingle. <laughs> uh, I gotta give we gotta give some applause to Bob Thompson because that was really good. That was truly some great work by Bob it was Thompson. Great, but it's a little long. Let's cut that down. A it's okay. It is a little long. We won't use the entire thing for all the intros, but That's you know, That's it's fair. just have a good fade out point. It's we will. We'll have a good fade out point. But I thought he because he he emails me. He's like, hey, can I get some clips of Ryan interrupting? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> They're easy to find. Right? Have to get deep in the archives for that. That's <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. Ryan interrupting his own jingle. That's just fantastic. So anyway, glad you're able to heard, be here for the I haven't debut. heard Andy's yet, so I'll have to listen back after I'm off of here. You will. Andy's is good, too. It was good. Andy's is good, too. It was so, fun, some would say. <laughs> yeah, some would say it's fun. Um, all right, so I know that you have limited time with us, uh, yeah. Ryan, because you know, you're there, you're doing things in Bloomington. Give us your, before we start talking bracketology, what are your quick thoughts on IU-Purdue and just the weekend coming up? Got to win it. I mean, it's a home game against your rival. You got to win it. I, I think that uh, this is going to be a big one for Indiana. If they can't win this, you're on a four-game losing streak. Uh, one of those games you blew, the other two you did not play well on the road, and then you've got a home game that is incredibly winnable, and you're just going to let that go. So I, I think they really need to right the ship this week, kind of, find some strong, solid footing and hopefully get, you know, their whole cast of characters a little, win it, get a little healthier. And I think it was Iowa next. I haven't even looked at the schedule today, but it's, yep. you know, get ready to move to, move on to Iowa and, and hope that you can have everybody and uh, ready to go for that. But you really, you got to win. I'm sorry. It's a Saturday home game against Purdue in the middle of a tight big 10 season. There's no year where it's acceptable to lose that game. You got to yeah. win that game. And, and especially with, with what Purdue's done this year, they have not, they've had games where they've been impressive, but for the most part, it's been a very average season for Purdue. 
got to beat that team. I mean, you just have to, and and you have to play well. You have to play smart. You've had a week off to prepare too. Uh, there's no excuse for losing this game. And Archie has not beaten Purdue. And given how well they've played at home and how poorly Indiana's played at home, it's not likely to happen up there. So if he doesn't want to exit his third year without a victory over Purdue, got to get this one. I agree with you. This is well, it's, not, it's not a must win technically, but it's you know it's one of those for it a February sixth like game. You know it's about as close as you're going to get to to one of those given the opponent, the stakes, all that. Um, yeah, and you're right. Plus we're there. Come on. We came for a Purdue game specifically to go to a Purdue game. You've got to win this one. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Ryan, thanks for popping on. Feel free to hang out if you want to, but obviously you I gotta have... take I got I gotta go to bed. You gotta go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you got plus you guys were going along just fine without me. I, I think we'll, we'll survive Okay. Thanks for popping on, man. We'll You're see you tomorrow. We'll see you. see cool. you at dinner. Yeah. See you tomorrow. See ya. Yeah. When are you guys getting in? That's the quick question. I'll get Anybody into Bloomington can... around six. And Andy's coming in the afternoon, right? Yeah, we're planning to leave in the morning, so we should be there lunchtime, early afternoon, I'm guessing. Ring me up, Bottoms. All right, we'll do. Later, guys. <laughs> See you, man. Okay, so let's let's talk bracketology, guys. So just you know, in case people have forgotten how good you guys are, bracket matrix rankings overall. Andy currently number eleven, which means he's like the Maryland of the bracket matrix. I don't know what he's going to think about that comparison, but Maryland's ranked number eleven right now. Delphi bracketology number thirteen. So, coach, you guys are the Seton Hall of the bracket matrix right now. And just, you know, for kind of comparison of what that means, Joe Lunardi, perhaps the most famous of all bracketologists, he's number 55, which is Louisiana Tech, which is a surprisingly good record for Louisiana Tech, one of Indiana's non-conference victories. So we're not, uh, we don't say that to disparage them or him. Uh, Should but, put uh, Jerry Palm on there. We're we'll throw some shade at Purdue if you really want to yeah, I don't, I dig the knife into somebody. But I didn't, scroll, that's down, neither I didn't scroll down that far, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, you guys do a great job with bracketology. Uh, it's definitely a point of pride for this show. So let's hop into to these questions. First one from Dan. Uh, Andy, I'll go to you first. He says, I try to stay positive uh, the, with the Hoosiers, as I hope all alumni should. My question, what do you honestly believe the odds are that this year's team will make the big dance? I, I think predicting much of anything with this year's team based on what we've seen so far is is probably challenging. But if you... If this team plays like it has over the course of the season, wins some of these home games, I I, I feel pretty good about it. I, I think as Coach mentioned at the beginning, uh, unless you're doing this on a on a regular basis, you don't have a great feel for how poor some of the the resumes are right around the cut line. So even though I you might be you know they were my last nine seed the other day, even if they've dipped to a ten, like there's a ways yet to go to fall out of the field, at least in my eyes compared to some of the other teams that are there. Um, so I, I think if they can play roughly 500 basketball from here on out, I feel pretty good about it. You, you certainly would feel better at five and four over these last nine games than you would four and five, which I know some of the other questions uh, tackle a little bit um, because I think four and five puts you in a position where you may need to, to win a win in the big 10 tournament to feel good about yourself, which no one would feel good if that was the case. So, um, but I think if they play roughly 500 basketball, which is essentially what they've done thus far in conference play, I think you can feel pretty good about it based on the wins they have. The fact that none of the losses they'll take will be bad. The strength of schedule is better than I think any of us thought it would be uh, at the onset. And and you'd have a, a good number of quality wins by doing that. Coach, are you more or less in the same boat? Yeah, it, it's one of those when you watch them play, um, you get frustrated because they don't play well on the road. Uh, and and there's a lot of stories out there about the poor non-conference. But when you really look at the resume, 
the only thing that is is a negative is their net ranking of 52, and I think that reflects the the wide variances of their scores and the efficiency numbers go up and down, uh, as opposed to some teams that play real tight games, and I think that keeps their net ranking um, a lot you know tighter and and, and better. So. You know, Indiana has lost all of their losses are to teams 30, uh, 37 or or better in the net. Uh, and when you look at the the team sheet, they've played a lot of good, solid teams, and they have one of the what, one or two toughest schedules going down the stretch. I think that's going to be taken uh, into consideration. They have what I counted five wins against our bracket, and that includes two automatic qualifiers, but Louisiana Tech has had a nice season. Uh, they're at 83 in the net. Uh, sometimes everyone focuses on the big wins and the losses, but that, that's just a good win, uh, top 100 win. And so uh, their resume is better than where people, I think, see them with the net and, and the overall record and just the blowouts that they've had. So when you compare it to other teams, I keep putting them lower and then when we do the scrubbing, which is a word to compare one team to the other, then I move them up, move them up, move them up. And then I turn to all my Purdue people here in Delphi Bracketology to make sure that I'm not being biased. And they're, they're anywhere from an 8 to a 10 every time we, we have a conversation. But I think that's safe right now. If they lose two or three more in a row, then I think that's what I'm going to get really worried. Uh, but I think uh, 19 wins um, makes the, for a relatively safe um uh, selection Sunday, depending again on on what other teams do. Yeah. Um, let's see. So we've got nine games left plus the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and this, Andy, you got a couple questions on your post at Inside the Hall. And so this questioner wants to know what the minimum threshold of wins and what those wins are to ensure a tourney berth. Say we only squeak out four more wins all at home and fart out the first game of the tourney. Some just great language there by this uh, by this questioner. So if we if we do that and fart out the first game of the tourney, Andy, are you are you still feeling good if we only win four more all home games? I, I don't. I think I think I'm trying to think how I answer this. Probably just read my answer that I gave on the on the post. But I, I think you would feel relatively good, but not 100 percent safe. I, I wouldn't think they'd be considered a lock at that point. Because to me, if you take the the four worst home games, worst being lowest rated. Uh, probably at least a couple of those fall in quadrant two. If you look at IU's remaining games, seven of them right now fall in quad one. All the away games will remain there pretty much no matter what happens. There's a couple of the home games that are right on the border. The Purdue and Iowa games are right on the border. But So let's say you win those four. You'd end up with, um, and they all fell into quad two. So you'd end up with six wins in quad two, three in quad one. Um, nine wins against the top two quadrants with no losses outside with or with one loss outside of q1 i think you'd feel pretty good um it's always dependent upon what other people do but i think even even the worst four wins out of who iu has left is going to be against teams that are um vying for ncaa tournament berths which helps you as you get into that point so i think you'd feel okay but not 100 percent safe in that scenario apparently that was stuffing things from the chat mob that sent that question in so Way to go, stuffing things. You know, to add, add to that, too, when you start looking at the teams on, on the bubble, uh, Indiana's quite a – not quite a bit above them, but at least safely above them. You you know, we have a lot of teams that already have 10 losses. Minnesota, Georgetown, uh, 10 losses. Arizona State, 13-8. and eight. North Carolina State, 15-8. and eight. But they, they, they don't – they either have really bad losses or their net is even higher. So, you know – 
teams that are higher net that are out right now are VCU 35, Mississippi State 41, and Minnesota 43. And uh, two of those teams have eight. One has eight loss and one has a ten loss. So if you're looking for teams to replace Indiana, let's say right now, um, you, you got a, you got a lot of teams down there that are on the struggle bus that will be the next team's ends. That's a little comforting uh, right now. Uh, you know, get two or three more wins, and then I, I'm going to breathe a little bit easier because if you win, lose eight in a row, then yes, that's obviously a problem. But the I always try to tell people, compare, 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 compare. Don't just look at a number of wins. You know, 19, but everyone wins that's on the bubble and passes you. You can get to 19, and we tell you 19, and then Indiana's out, and then we look foolish um, given a, a definitive win total. But 19 is what I'm shooting for before the tournament, and, and I think um, that would be good. So one question, just for clarification on how this all works, uh, and, and we can use Sally's question for this. She said, Ohio State is showing as a quad one win and loss. Will that stay a quad one opponent if they stay on a downtrend? Now, Ohio State's won three in a row, and they just got a road win at Michigan, so it seems like they've reversed their downtrend. But in general, will that be a quad one win no matter what, or does it is it all just basically like what they are at the very end of the season, like right before the brackets come out? Because that, that yeah. stuff is fluid, right? Yeah, it matters where they are at the end. If you look at where they are, the quad one home wins go up to teams ranked 30th and Ohio State 17th right now. So you don't see at this point in the season huge fluctuations from uh, from game to game on teams unless they just have a, a really um, outlier type performance that, that moves the needle. So it will depend on where they are at the end. I would struggle to think that it that Ohio State will play that bad that they would fall out given their two-thirds of the way through their season and they're ranked 17th. I'm not sure they drop 14 spots to drop out of there, but y- you never know. Here, Here's an example along those lines, too. It is the end of the year. I, I do think the committee looks at this even more than Andy and I do uh, when they get together. I was looking at Penn State um, this this week, and they have two quad three losses, and that generally stands out on whatever spreadsheet people use as – um, outliers and oh, that so they have some bad losses. Well, those bad losses are at 101 and 105 of the net, and they are right off the cutoff. So those teams, if if I think it was Old Miss and and one other team, if those teams win three or four games down the stretch and move up to 98 or 99, those quad three losses become quad two losses for Penn State, and that resume now looks even better just looking at the numbers. I think the committee does look at that because there's a wide. Ver- um, you know, from one number to another, I think it's 100 to 200 uh, net for quad three. Losing to 102 is a lot different than losing to 199. And I think the committee, when they really start looking at this, knows the difference even inside of the of the quads. And with that, even quad one and two, they report out different tiers, a 1A and a 1B to help uh, people understand that. So, yeah, it moves. And, and that always poses a, an interesting a night-to-night uh, difference for us bracketologists. Yeah, the the 1A and 1B thing that Coach brought up is a good point. Um, so they basically split quad one in half and then have certain games. I won't quote the, the numbers, but they do that for those top two quadrants. And if you look again at IU's right now, six of the seven losses are in the top part of quad one. So none of those are really considered a bad loss uh, at this point. And, and yeah, the cutoffs are somewhat arbitrary. So Again, IU's got a lot of teams. I Purdue is 29th right now. They've got 
a home game against them. It will be quad one or quad two. I was 30th. That's right on the border. Um, th- there needs to be, should be, and, and tends to be some attention given to the fact that they are arbitrary cutoffs and not everything is just you have, um, you know, X number of these wins and, and every win within a given quadrant or even sub quadrant is actually equal. Last bracketology question from Patrick. He wants to know, Andy and Coach, uh, we know what your top favorite, uh, what your two favorite bracketology sites are, obviously, but what is a reliable third site to look at? In addition to Mike DeCourcy, of course, friend of the show, who we want to Yeah, th- This one to me is pretty easy. It's Bracketville. Um, Bracket Guy Dave, I think, is his handle on, on Twitter. I had him when I did the bracketology podcast a couple years ago had him on multiple times super knowledgeable i think he's ranked number one if not he's really close has finished toward the top uh, a, a number of different times um so he he's definitely a reliable one if you want consistent track record of of really good results and uh and well thought out analysis and stuff that he puts out so he would be the one that i would pick coach i i would second that i i, I read his stuff all the time and uh I follow a couple of people that I just enjoy. Uh, Shelby Mass from the USA Today, Bracket Wag, uh, at Bracket Wag on Twitter, uh, is a great guy. Helped us out when we got started in, in teaching us from afar a lot of stuff, along with Andy. Uh, those two people, Andy and, and Shelby, did a nice job in helping us get started. Uh, WarrenNolan.com is where I get a lot of information. Uh, there is so much stuff that you can point and click, and they have the team sheets or a version of the team sheets that uh, people can look at to see the different uh, quad wins and, and, and sim- very similar to the NCAA sheets. The NCAA sheets are available to the public as well. Uh, it's NCAA R- RPI Archive. If you Google that, you should be able to find your, the team sheets that the actual committee will look at, which have all the other metrics, uh, the KPI and all that stuff listed too. So those are some fun things if people want to just look at uh, a variety of, of sources. But those are the places that we use on a regular basis for, for our group. Good stuff, guys. So Hoosiers are in good shape, but got to keep winning games. And that's got to start on Saturday. And hey, you know, if they can actually maybe win a few on the road and like get something going here, that seed can go up. Like they've still are, you know, we, we keep talking about, we kind of talk about like worst case scenarios. What do we have to do to just squeeze in? But Indiana's put themselves in a position that if they get hot down the stretch and start playing better, they can get up to a seven seed, a six seed, you know, maybe even higher. So let's see what this team can do, but it's got to start Saturday with a big win over Purdue. All right, coming up in our third and final segment, we will answer more of your questions. The mediocre question of the week is back, so we'll start there. And then what is our most embarrassing preseason prediction? And should Archie get more technicals? That and more. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Carson Edwards here, and um, even though I'm teammates with Romeo Langford, I'm still never going to listen to the assembly call. But go Celtics. Fair enough. Romeo, with the start last night. Way to go, Romeo. You are listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and with Andy Bottoms. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866. 
or go to assemblycall.com. All right, time now for the mailbag, fellas. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. And we will begin with the mediocre question. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. Yes, from Jay, who will be there on Saturday at Switchyard, so it'll be good to see him and talk hoops with him. He wants to know, is it a good thing that Purdue just made 100 threes and beat Iowa by a million yesterday? I can't see them doing that again on Saturday. Uh, Coach? Is that a, like like how do you look at that? Will they maybe be overconfident? Is that or is this a sign that all of their players have turned the corner and are going to be great shooters now? No, you you, you play it uh, as a coach. You just plan for what you were planning for before they unloaded for nineteen threes. You knew they are capable shooters, so that doesn't surprise you as a coach. Uh, one game is not leading to another in Big Ten play. If it did, uh, Indiana would have played better the last two games on the road because they had two outstanding efforts, one in a loss to Maryland, and then went on the road and played completely different. Uh, Purdue had to have a three-point buzzer beater at Northwestern on Sunday uh, to win at Northwestern, then come home and play, you know, lights out. So they're a good team. They play solid defense. You, you respect them, and then you beat them. And you don't worry about uh, that. It, you do worry that they get hot and see it go in. But, again, the atmosphere and the sight lines and all that are a lot different than at home. So um, we're all right. I agree. Uh, Jay also wants to know, Andy, over under on losses for the Big Ten regular season champ. He's setting it at 6.5. <clears throat> yeah, I looked briefly at this. I really looked only at Maryland and Illinois because anybody, everybody else already has at least four losses. And it just strikes me as hard to believe that with – you know, eight, nine games down the stretch. I don't know that anybody's only going to lose twice out of Michigan State, Penn State. So Maryland, given how they have generally played on the road, they've got five. No, they've got, yeah, they've got five road games left, including at Illinois, at Michigan State, at Ohio State, at Minnesota, and at Rutgers. Wow. So they would have to, I mean, win all their home games and lose just three of those. I, I suppose that's possible. Uh, and then Illinois is the other one. They they might have the better chance to do that. They only have four road games left at Rutgers, at Penn State, at Northwestern, um, and then at Ohio State. But they do have Michigan State and Maryland both at home as their next two games. Um, and then they finish up with Iowa at home. So I, I would tend to take the over just based on how things have been. But if I was picking one of the picking somebody who could do it and hit the under, it would probably be Illinois. Uh, Jay's last question, over under 10 and a half drinks for him on Saturday. I'm definitely taking the over the on this question. Podcast. Well, I oh, hope not. If it's, if it's that with, far over, it might not be a very good game on Saturday. He's saying before the podcast. I stand by it. I stand by the over. <laughs> yeah, Jay's solid. If you, yeah, if you've been with Jay in scenarios like that, I, you, yeah, I'd take the over. Okay. All right. I'm down with that. Um, okay. Let's see. James wants to know, for each host, what is the most embarrassing preseason prediction that you got wrong and would like to cop to? Also, what is the best preseason prediction that you made that you would like to get more credit for? He said maybe the IU version and the Big Ten version. So I'll go first on this one. Look, obviously, proclaiming myself president of the Devontae Green fan club hasn't worked out yet. I'm not giving up on that because we still have some time left. I'm not saying the, the heart wants what good. it wants, Jared. Don't, I, look, don't I'm, feel bad. I, you know, I'm not going to endorse his bad play. We need more good games, but when you you know, you don't just abandon your fan club. Like I'm, I'm there with him till the end. So we'll see how that goes. 
But the one, obviously, that has not turned out well that I was saying over and over again this offseason is that Indiana would be you know, a decent three-point shooting team, that we would finish in the top half of the country. That has not happened right now. Indiana is 266th. Part of the reasoning there was that you know you take away Juwan and Romeo and their high volume of low percentage three point shooting, and our other guys, you know, they would get a lot a higher percentage of the threes and we'd make more. And that part of it hasn't been too far off. Devontae shooting thirty five point nine percent, Rob shooting thirty seven point two percent, Al shooting thirty five point nine percent. So you know those three guys, if you take their average, that's a pretty good three point shooting team right there. The problem and what I didn't expect was that. Armand Franklin would shoot 23%, and Jerome Hunter would shoot 26%, and Demise Anderson would shoot 22.9%. So you've got those guys dragging down the percentages. You know, if Jerome can continue shooting better, if Armand, you know, can kind of get clicking, that three point percentage can go up. But obviously, that hasn't worked out like I thought it would, and it's really hurt this offense. So that's that's the biggest one for me that um I'm I'm hoping it turns around a little bit down the stretch, but I've been very disappointed in that. Coach, do you have one that you want to cop to? Man, it's been a long time for this old man from the preseason. I'm not sure I remember what I said in the preseason. Um, to don't, be honest, don't pull you. out the old man card right now. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I, I would say the 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 um, the one I don't remember exactly, but I probably was a little bit high on the defense, and I think that uh, I've been a little disappointed in in where the defense uh, metrics are in the 40s. I thought Indiana would be a lot better defensively, especially with the pick and rolls. Uh, I did make a comment after the Florida State game about Devontae being all Big Ten. Uh, I will put that on. I will take that as a really bad, bad take. Uh, I think, uh, again, I think I was okay with uh, – I thought Indiana was uh, pretty good in the preseason. I thought they had a chance to go undefeated and short of eight minutes against Arkansas. Uh, I thought their preseason uh, play was up to what I had thought. Uh, so th- that's that's where I would go without – Absolutely remembering. It's a true old man card, to be honest with you. Andy, do you have any that, that you want to I was going to say, I don't, I'm, I'm like coach. I don't really remember uh, a great deal of what, I, I mean, I would, this isn't preseason, but anything that was said between the final buzzer of the Florida state game and the opening tip of the Wisconsin game, I would like to retract um, <laughs> basically anything that was said during that time period from a big 10 perspective. Um, a couple of teams that stand out to me. I think Penn state, a lot of people were in this boat. Um, and I think rightfully so skeptical of what Pat Chambers uh, was was capable of with this group. They did, you know, they lost Reeves and uh, some of those other things. They've been really impressive. And I think Iowa, particularly in the aftermath of, of Bohannon deciding to undergo surgery, they've been Wednesday night, notwithstanding, have been uh, have been pretty impressive. I think they've done a, a good job there to to really what what it felt like overachieve or we all just or or I at least really underestimated the guys that they had coming back. I think those have been a couple of really good coaching jobs of, of teams that you could have easily told yourself a story that they wouldn't play very well. Yeah, I would like a little more credit for predicting Michigan's demise because I said all offseason that I was not buying Michigan, that they would struggle, that having a first-year head coach in the Big Ten, that was going to hurt them, and that's exactly what's happened after a good start. So that was one prediction that I did get right. Jay did say that we all three said over 34.5% from three in Big Ten play. So thanks, Jay, for bringing it up and recording all the stuff that we said yeah, in the preseason. So there's one I missed. We do appreciate that, Jay, very much so. I mean, um, nine games to get it up from 30.2% over that. So, I mean. Maybe we have a 19 three-pointer game in us come Saturday, you know? Or, or, I mean, we got Iowa after that. Maybe they'll be generous again and we can have another one. It is maybe. the Fran February fade. So, you know. 
anything's possible against a Fran McCaffrey defense in February. Um, let's see. Okay, coach, this would be a good one for you to tackle. Matt says we have not been getting foul calls at the same rate recently. Would you like to see Archie quote unquote demand we get more calls by getting teed up and really earn this one? This could also fire up the team. He's been too passive on the sidelines, in my opinion. His the questioner's opinion, not mine personally. I, I will say this to to I, I have seen him be a little less passive in the last three or four games. Um, there were a couple games right after Northwestern. I thought where he was uh, really excitable on on the bench. I, I will say this as a coach: if that has to happen, that speaks volumes for the team. If you have to be loud and screaming and yelling and getting on officials to get calls and do all that stuff. Uh oh, did we lose coach? I think we might have lost coach. What do you think, Andy? Are you up? Are you up with Archie getting more tees? I don't know that that really solves the problem. I think you can be more adamant about those kinds of things, but I don't know that getting a technical leads to leads directly to you starting to get calls. I think you can point stuff out and you can work the officials, and there's a a point to doing that to to a certain extent. But I don't know that getting a technical to me necessarily uh, has the desired effect of what what you might think that it would coach is back he's gonna get a hey technical sorry foul. i don't know what happened he's gonna get a technical foul on his internet we got about 15 seconds you want to finish your thought on archie and technicals yeah i i just think it's it's a really bad sign if the coach needs to get on officials to get files i think the players need to be a little more physical in their play and go harder to the rim uh more than archie needing to get a technical yeah all right, well, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We will talk to you again on Saturday. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Here I come, <laughs> Mrs. Donsoni. Uh, going to keep doing it until it stops causing I, I told her to there. bring her running shoes because I'm going to chase her through Bloomington. After, <laughs> after Indiana beats Purdue? Yep, I'll chase her all the way from Assembly Hall to uh, Switchyard. <laughs> <laughs> line up folks you'll see it live after the big win uh let's knock out a few of these other questions real quick we can probably go through them pretty quickly uh bill says how confident should we be that as a team we'll be able to run an efficient and productive offense against Purdue's on-ball defense how confident should we be i mean it certainly helps that we're going to be at home um but i don't know that i'm particularly confident about the way that we're going to be able to run consistent offense against purdue i think as you guys said it's going to be a slower game it's going to be probably an ugly kind of muck it up type game. I will not. I won't be surprised if the game is in the fifties. I really won't. Last year's game was forty eight forty six. You know, so I'm. I'm not. I still think we can win because you know I think we need to fall back on our rebounding and you know what our identity is supposed to be, which is defense. Um, but yeah, I'm not. We, we'll have some spurts, and I think we'll make some shots. But I don't think we're going to see consistent offense, probably from either team. You need yeah, a. I would, I would agree with you. The concern I have about this team in this game and going forward is is we just don't have that score. Um, Illinois, when they beat Purdue, the Desumu kids just took over and closed out the game with some big shots. Um, 
And Frazier's just stepped up and hit some incredible threes. That's how you beat a good, solid defense is by making some plays that aren't even in the offense. Uh, and, and that's where Justin Smith has to be aggressive driving and, and make some actions. Uh, the guard's got to be catching, ready to shoot the three and not be hesitant. You can't overemphasize throwing it in the post to where you don't shoot open shots. Uh, you need a Jerome Hunter mentality and then be hot. Uh, and when you play tougher teams, those are things that, uh, that worry me. Yeah. Andy, anything else to add there? I just think, I don't know that you necessarily need to, I mean, I use one games this year where they haven't been over a point per possession. And I think that's an, an easily plausible scenario for this game. I think if I use able to come out and play defense against Purdue, similar to what they did last year, I think they can hold them down well enough to be able to win when the offense isn't efficient. Cause I'm just not sure that you're going to get very efficient offense against Purdue, unless you really have an uncharacteristic shooting performance. Um, or you really find ways to hammer them on the glass, things like that. I just, given the big guys that they have, I in and the way I you shot the ball, I don't know how you really spread them out well enough to um, give yourself huge amounts of of room to drive to the basket and things like that. So I think barring a a typical shooting performance from IU, I think it's going to be relatively inefficient. But like like you said to me, that doesn't suggest they can't win, uh, particularly given how Purdue's played on the road. Uh, so from Patrick, he said, this was posted earlier this week, and this was a tweet from Hoosier Sports Live. It said, word out of Bloomington is Archie has made a tweak similar to Coach Cal. Wonder what it could be. Uh, I have not heard anything about this. I really have no idea what it could be. Patrick says, ignoring the accuracy or plausibility of this tweet, it's a fun thought exercise. He says, I looked into what Cal did, and there are a few takes. One being he told his point guard not to shoot for a day in practice and just make plays for others. Assists went up to 22 on the day. Three-point percentage went up. Another was that Cal began calling all offensive sets from the sidelines. Knowing what we do about our team and Cal, what do you think a possible tweak it could be? Anybody mm-hmm. have any ideas? I've employed <laughs> that uh, even with my third-grade team. I've told a couple of our better players that they can't shoot because they don't pass very much and they need to figure out how to find other people and look for other people and dribble with their heads up. So you've never seen somebody look more perplexed than a third-grade girl look up at you when you tell them that they can't shoot in the practice, but... Well, what are you going to do? Uh, I I don't know. I would think it would maybe be potentially something with the rotation, maybe doing something more with playing small uh, if you can and, and playing less of the two bigs and, and maybe really thinning out the rotation the way that it was discussed earlier, but never really materialized short of through injuries and illness. I'm definitely up for seeing some more, some smaller lineups. And let's see, let's see how those work. Not that we're ever going to go away from playing with the bigs because it's a strength, but yeah, for yeah, some you don't stretches, have, you like, don't have enough total versatility to go away from that for no, but super if, long stretches. But you've got enough where give yourself a chance to give teams, if nothing else, to give teams a different look that they're not going to yeah. be prepared for. Especially when race gets back, like we've seen some lineups when Trace and Race have been out there together, where Indiana has played some of its best basketball. I'm thinking back to I think it was the Connecticut game when those guys were out there and played really well. There've been a couple of other stretches, maybe the Michigan State game. I think they might have played together. Um, you know, so again, you don't go away from it, but to be able to go to that for certain stretches of games, I'd like to see us be able to do it a little bit more. I've clamored for that for a long time, and and I'm actually coming around the. To- the other way just because Joey is so good and Trace has been our better players but I always have thought that the game is a one post player or no post players or or post players that can step out like Luca Garza can shoot the three it's just a different um it's a different game in the NCAA and I and I know Archie said early he had to play a little more you know old style type of basketball and I think that was the best choice 
to be honest with you, but it, it just mucks up the offense and uh, and the driving lanes and all of that. And I'm sure he's – I know he's aware of that. And he still knows that it's probably best uh, with the, the guard depth and everything else to probably play that way. But I do think, you know, um, smaller is intriguing to me. But then you take your two best players and have to split time. And um, I mean, Joey should start. There's no question he should be a starter. But there are some matchups and some sequences in games where I think because you know he can't play four oh, minutes anyway. But <clears throat> you know, so you're going to get him on the court. But just maybe try and stagger them a little bit and see. You know, we'll yeah, see. I don't know this is a game you'll see that as much just based on the way that yeah. Purdue likes to play. Even with Boudreaux, I don't know that he's not really in that in that mold in particular, but that, yeah, that would be the only thing I could think of if, if in fact that is something that's circulating out there about a tweak of some kind. Yeah. Uh, last question. Is there a player who you have not yet awarded a game ball in a post game show to who you think will earn one in our remaining games? And if so, who would you expect it to be? So the current game ball tally trace has nine. Joey Brunk has three. Al Durham, Devonte green, Rob Finnessy and Jerome Hunter have two. Armand Franklin has one. And that poor Wisconsin game where no one got a game ball. Uh, players who have not won a game ball yet, Deron Davis, Race Thompson, Demise Anderson, none of them particularly surprising, but Justin Smith has not yet earned a game ball. He's been second several times, uh, but he has not yet earned a game ball. He seems like the obvious answer for a guy who we think will get one. And, and Deron Davis has actually come close in a couple games too. Uh, but Justin would be my answer there. He just he plays so many minutes, you would certainly think he'll get one at some point. Um, yeah. Or if there's a solo Ryan show, then race would get it. But otherwise, I would tend to go with I tend to go with the Justin Smith. <laughs> solo Ryan show. That would, that would be, be awesome. Which would Goal. be amazing on every level. Yeah, almost every show is a solo Ryan <laughs> yeah. show, isn't it? To some extent. Every segment, Ryan. Oh, my God. Walking into a bear's mouth. That would be walking into a bear's mouth right there. Absolutely. Podcast Ryan equivalent show. of walking into a bear's mouth. <laughs> Hundred percent. The concept. Yeah, I can see Justin winning one. Hilarious. Yeah. What? Yeah, what it has step, to be Justin with this. What step in the hosting process would Ryan get stopped on? Like the, the first step. Like how many steps would he be able to? Go if, if finding the instructions is a step, then that there is the go. one. <laughs> Opening up the spreadsheet. Yeah. Well, because he'd have to have Zoom open and Gmail at the same time, which, as we've learned, yeah. just it's not a combination that works on computers. Oh my gosh, the open tabs. <laughs> That's frightful. San Diego would never be the uh, same. A Ryan Solo show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, on some good news, um, and, and I'm sure everyone has seen it or heard it, or if not, um, there, um, Coach Roberts was in to see a JUCO point guard at Vincennes. Oh, yeah. I saw that. And so, again, despite the struggles and frustrations, whether you're you know on the coach or on the player side, whatever, all that stuff we always talk about, I think they do analyze what we have and try to do what is best with what we have and are trying to get better pieces. Um, obviously, another guard to help out at the point after um, some graduation is, is a must, and if they go that way, that would be, I think, a good sign. I also like the comments uh, about the Ohio Center. Obviously, the kid from Fort Wayne is probably a priority as a big in, in the 21 class, but the I I, can't, I don't even know how his name Duncham or Duncan yeah Logan Duncan I think yeah from uh, Cincinnati Moeller the Moeller coach had some really interesting words to say about the player 
and about Archie uh, because his son was a manager for Archie for several years. And if you're not sure about Cincinnati Molar, they are a dominant team in the Cincinnati area, won two state championships. Um, I've seen them at team camp. Um, their team was at a team camp of, that we were in uh, a while back. Just uh, I have a lot of respect for their coach. And um, so saying some positive things about the way Archie does things and how this player would really fit into Archie. And the thing about that was he has good feet uh, in, in order to guard. And I picked up on that, and that's a huge thing that we've talked about with some of the players that, that were here and, and then obviously that were brought in is slow feet to guard pick and pops and things the way Archie wants to do it. So, uh, again, trying to find some positives in, in a rough week of basketball, I think the coaching staff is identifying areas of needs and then trying as hard as they can now. They have to finish the job as, as we're all – I got to win some games, get in a tournament. You got to finish the recruiting job, but it's not because it's not uh, inept uh, as sometimes I get on my Twitter feed uh, in response to what's what's happening. So, those were two things I was excited about um, heading into the recruiting aspect. Yeah, that's good. Good feet, man. You, if there's anything we've learned about what you need for centers who are going to play in this defense, they've got to have good feet. I, every time I watch Virginia play, it's like seeing the defense run, it's like watching almost a different defense be run when you see Diakite and Huff out there and just how quickly right. they move. It's like, my goodness. That's, you know, and not not that Joey and Duran don't try. They just, you know, they have plodding feet. They just can't move that well. You know, they're, being, you they're, being, they're being asked to play a defense that they're not well suited to play, really. You know? You brought Joey in for heart and hustle, and it's showing. Yeah, it he is. didn't necessarily bring him in for defense because his metrics and Ken Palm numbers showed that he struggled in those areas, and he, he was a backup center at Butler, and, and we have to play him a lot, and he's really progressed. Uh, kudos to him, but he's a heart and soul of this team as a first-year player. That that speaks volumes a lot, too, um, to, to kind of some of the stuff that's going on. But, yes, good feet, and you need that pick and pop. You know, we, we missed out on Garcia, but there's a big who can step out and shoot the three. Uh, this – program is still kind of in the development stage as much as we don't like to admit it and uh but those were a couple things i found this week to be pretty interesting it's good stuff all right andy any final thoughts before we sign off and get ready to head to bloomington tomorrow i can't think of anything i'm excited i am excited time to go pack drop my daughter off at preschool get on the airplane I can't promise, you know, are, are you guys going to do funny travel videos like the Hoosier Hysterics guys? You have anything planned? I, I do not have anything planned. and <laughs> Likely not planned because it's not something that I'll do. <laughs> uh, that's all right. That's their niche. I, I, I have it, a, a job well. in education. I, I can't videotape what, you know, what I might do this weekend. <laughs> no, you can't. And still have a teacher. And he would ask that others job. follow the same rules. and not. <laughs> yeah, please, it. please don't take me. As Jay's saying, to bring your drinking livers, you know, <laughs> uh, you need to teach on Monday. I got to coach a basketball game Sunday afternoon. So, um, yeah, that'll be, I, I got to keep that in mind. You're going to be like Bob Huggins. <laughs> hey, that, that dude has fun out on the town, or he did at least at some point. Um, Des Moines, Iowa ran into him out uh, at a coach's <laughs> clinic. It was impressive. I was, I was sitting there from afar watching. He, it was really impressive. Good. He's a he good and dude. he and Bill Self are probably the two most notorious. Like, love to go out and have a good time, right? Who who are yeah. some, I think Chris are Beard any? might be working his way into that conversation as well. But Chris yeah. Beard, yeah, yeah. Those those guys have reputations. 
Oh. All right. <clears throat> Who knows? All right. Well, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Coach, you. All right. Be safe. What time do you think you'll uh, be getting there? I see uh, you're right, after we'll school. Get, we'll hopefully check in the hotel right around 6 and head right to the restaurant. Um, yeah, we get done at uh, 3.30 and quick um, stop at home and two-hour drive. So about 6 in Bloomington and then right to dinner. Cool. Yeah, reservations right. at 7. So okay, get there and cool. have a good meal. Sounds good. All right. All right. See everybody. See you guys, Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Later. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.